Hello, and welcome to the Equiline Podcast. I'm Dr. Wendy Corin. And I'm Dr. Dave Lundquist. And today we're going to talk to you about fascial lines because so much of the effects we get, the global effects that we get working on, and we'll limit this to the equine and canine variety, have to do with the connectedness of the body. We used to believe that we broke everything down individually by muscles. And we talked about this muscle does this job or this muscle does this job. And what the fascial lines really do is connect the body from one end to the other. So it's really not just about the musculature system. It's about the connection of everything in the body and how everything needs to work together. And that's what the fascial lines create is connectedness. When we were first introduced to this concept, it was reading and studying Tom Myers, who took the fabulous human interactions and dissections and saw how literally the head bones connected to the tailbone and the foot bone. And then that was explored in movement by therapists, by PTs, by chiropractors, by anatomists. And if you haven't watched the Fuzz Lecture on YouTube, there you're missing something that's like both Gil informative. Hadley. Gil Hadley, that's yes. right. Gil Hadley. Informative and massively entertaining, and you need to be a tiny bit of a ghoul to really appreciate it. What's amazing from there is that the animal science took that and ran with it. If you listen to, we have a previous podcast where we talked quite extensively on, on fascia. And so we don't need to get into, we're not going to go over that again. You can re-listen to that podcast. And so you can learn more specifically about fascia itself. But all this is pretty new because fascia used to be stuff that the surgeons just cut through. And now they realize how important the fascia is and how many nerve endings and how much neurology is involved in fascia and what specifically it does because it's got contractile properties, it's got connective properties, it's got neurological properties. So it's it's physiologically (laughs) physiologically very active. So... In the research piece of this, when they saw that this fascia runs in a line, and that line is quite euphemistic. It's not a straight line. It is a tangled web of interconnectedness. And even though it's not a line and a chain is another way that you can think of it, the important piece isn't the specificity of the terminology. It's the fact that something in the hind leg can affect the movement, both allowing it to move freely and restricting it from moving freely at the furthest end of the body. So today we're gonna actually tell you the names of a few of these fascia lines and what they do, both in our experience for equine and canine athletes and companions. I think the easiest one to start with is probably the superficial dorsal line and the superficial ventral line. Uh, On the horse, that superficial ventral line 
basically runs from, and I shouldn't say runs from because it doesn't have a start or an ending. It just has connectedness. But you'll find it attached at the pole. And then if the superficial ventral line actually runs down the neck and then runs under the belly and runs all the way down to the hind leg, all the way down to the hind or the front part of the coffin joint. And the superficial dorsal line starts at the pole and then runs all the way down the top line, close to the spine, and then runs all the way down the back of the leg, kind of bifurcates over the hamstring and then comes together again at the hawk, the back of the hawk, the calcaneus, and runs all the way down to the back of the coffin joint on the hind leg, which connects that hind foot to the pole. Which you trainers out there and people who've had lessons and hear the connectedness and talking about how you have to have a frame a bit of the frame is inborn in this connectedness and rather than needing to be forced it needs to be allowed to flow freely and as Dave said it doesn't start and end it just is and in being it allows messages to be related from different parts of the body up to the brain so it knows where it is in space and dehydrating in that fascia restricts its ability to expand and move the way you're asking your animal to move. So being aware of how it is and being aware of how you can find restrictions in it or damages to it or lack of information to the brain can make all the difference in the world for the comfort of the animal and the performance. And you can think about some of the things that affect that area. For one thing, the saddle sits right on top that superficial dorsal line. And a lot of times we see stuff in the back of the saddle because if you get those riders that are pounding in the back of the saddle, that really affects that superficial dorsal line. And you think of those superficial dorsal and superficial ventral line like a sling. It holds the belly and holds the top line. And you get those sway back horses and you have total relaxation of the superficial ventral line and you have tension in the superficial dorsal line. So by treatment, we want to increase the tonicity in the ventral line and decrease the tonicity in the top line. And that's a whole nother podcast on the techniques we can use to address and we could probably talk about that for a week or so so give us um give us a call and we'll and we'll uh communicate with you the important thing to know about these lines or chains of fascia is that they are bilateral it's not that they run down the back but they run on either side of the spine they run on either side of the belly and to complete the barrel we also have the lateral line. One of my favorites to work with because so many amazing things change instantly when you affect the ability of that line to do what it's meant to do. Yeah, a lot of times when we're evaluating a horse, we find rib subluxations. And those rib subluxations definitely affect the lateral line because the lateral line crisscrosses along the side. And again, it has 
fibers attaching at the pole, and then it runs down the side of the neck. It actually bifurcates along the side of the neck and then it, under the shoulder, and then it crisscrosses along the side of the body, and then it runs down both the back of the hip and the front of the hip coming together at the hock, and then it runs laterally all the way down the leg And what's amazing about the lateral line, and I know we've been focusing on horses for the beginning of this, but I'm in, it is equally true in dogs in that when you have a bulging, when you watch something from behind and you can see its torso more to one side than the other, these are red flags that there's something out of balance in the lateral line. And for any of you who've watched two dogs playing, the odds of seeing it one T-boned is really high because they do love to broadside each other. Therefore, creating some inflammation, damage, restriction on one side and coming from the human world, the terminology we use is one side can lock long and one side can lock short. So even though you've got um, a stretched side and a constricted side, both of those sides can in fact be tight at the same time, one shorter, one longer. So we don't want to make assumptions about what anything means. We want to be aware of these lines, evaluate them, and normalize them as best we can. And a lot of times you can find it too when you do lateral butt tucks. If you do lateral butt tucks on a horse, a lot of times you'll find it goes great one way and not so great the other way. And that lateral line could have possibility, something has possible effects on how well that horse's rear end is able to function left and right. And the same thing with the dog, since I apparently am representing the dog world and see the dogs in our background want to make sure that they are fairly represented in the fascia line. And you'll find it just when you're petting them that for some reason, one side, you'll get them moving towards you and you pet the other side and they flinch away from you. So the fascia, knowing the fascial lines allows us to listen to the body language of our animals, big, small, equine, canine, and feline, to be able to know where those restrictions are and what behaviors we might be able to expect because of them. As Dave said, in a horse, you see that inability to laterally tuck. Well, that also translates all the way up to the pole. So they can go with their head on sideways because of a, a restriction along that side. The understanding fascia lines teaches us to look at a global picture of the horse rather than through a microscope. And a lot of times that lateral line is affected again by the saddle which be, can be affected by the girth because the girth wraps all the way around the belly. So it can be affected by the girth. Also, we find that it can be affected by spur marks. Uh, you get adhesions from people constantly spurring some horses and keep them going forward. They need a lot of spur work. And that can actually create some adhesions along that lateral line that can be worked out as well. And to clarify, it's really a densification more than an adhesion. Because when we, when we say densification, the fascia becomes <coughs> disorganized 
and it sticks together, it dehydrates, it doesn't glide along its linear and more onion bag-like uh, dimensions. Truly, if it was an adhesion, you, you tend to lose the ability to come back into a normal pattern. Whereas fascia that is injured and gets more and more and more dense, we have found that therapeutically there are so, so many ways that you can restore that to normal. Now, another one of our magical lines that we can notice and then affect and see a big difference are the front leg lines and specifically the front limb protraction line. There is a chain of fascia that connects again from the neck all the way down in front of the shoulder, down the front of the leg and into the cranial aspect of the coffin joint. And that assists the horse in bringing its leg forward. So you're going to see this in your forward trot. You're going to see this in your big action horses. You're going to see this when they have to bend both legs in order to get up and over a jump. You're going to see this in your barrel horses. You're going to see this in your agility dogs who really need to be able to control the uh, forward motion of those front legs in a very deliberate pattern. It, it's an amazing, and every time there's a bump or a nick or a jump, anything that hits into that front, the front of the shoulder, the shin, all of these things can affect that ability. There is another line that runs also from the neck down the back of the front limb called the front limb retraction line where I personally have had much less use for in terms of um, affecting action although any elbow injury will in fact restrict its ability to move. It can also again be affected by the saddle because there's fibers that run from the tricep basically all the way up underneath the saddle. So saddle can affect it, girth can affect it. So there's a number of things that will affect those front limb lines. And again, has attachments to the pole. So when we start looking at the pole, what, what do you use on the horse that can affect the pole a lot? Bridles. You get a lot of bridles that can create a lot of pressure at that pole, which can affect a number of the fascial lines that's, that have their attachments in the pole area and the TMJ area and harnesses. So if you have your dog in a harness because you don't want something around their neck, understand that that can put pressure on the shoulder, that can put pressure, and all you have to do to notice these things is touch them and become more aware of a difference in their, your animal's reaction to being touched in different places look how a local reaction might actually affect other things that are globally related to it. Yeah. You probably see that, you see that in ball dogs, you see that in agility dogs, uh, we see that in a lot in jumpers. We get a lot of shoulder issues that are created, humanly created more, more than likely, from what we do with them. 
we spend a lot of time working on those shoulders. I think it's a really important piece. A lot of people think, oh, it's lower neck, it's lower neck, it's lower neck. And a lot of times the lower neck is just responding to the fact that there's restriction in the shoulder. Now, there are many more lines for you to know about. There are functional lines that are related to the front on one side, crossing over to the hind limb on the other. There are spiral lines that actually crisscross over the abdomen, over by the pubic bone, and again over the low back, showing that there is a, tang a tangential or a, a way of rotating around the axis that is also related to fascia. And there are deep lines and we've been fascinated lately in the equine in the connection between the tongue and breathing and the pelvis. Yeah, the deep fascial line actually attaches uh, in the deep pelvis, runs through the abdomen, surrounds the organs, attaches the diaphragm, has a lot to do with the psoas muscle. Um, you get those restrictions in that upper part of the lumbar spine, that's really common with deep fascial lines. Uh, that horse that goes around with its tongue hanging out is a really good indication that it could be a deep fascial line because it comes up all the way to the hypoglossal muscle, which is part of, your, part of the tongue. And so a lot of times that horse will stick the tongue out to actually try to relieve some of that pressure on that deep fascial line. So a lot for you to digest here this morning or this afternoon or this evening, whenever you happen to be listening. Our point today was really to introduce you to an opportunity to learn more, to find out why our animals are so amazing in their motion and how your awareness can make a difference in choosing what you're going to do, what you're going to do therapeutically, and what you're going to ask them to do based upon what their body is telling you. More information, uh, it, we recommend highly, if you're really interested in a fascia, the International Fascial Conference will be held again next year, in 2021, hopefully, in Montreal. Yes, And we'll if you there. get a chance, be there. It is nerd heaven for fascia. And if you have any questions, please contact us at equiline.com. We love your comments. We love your questions. Once again, I'm Dr. Wendy Corin. And I'm Dr. Dave Lundquist. Thank you for joining us.